What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Anime Brothers Podcast, but it's kind of weird. It's like Anime Brother, not Anime Brothers, because I'm all alone today. I had a great episode idea I wanted to do, but then I thought I don't want to do it alone because I kind of need someone to talk to about this because it's a really big deal. And that, of course, is about Cowboy Bebop, the live action film. So I decided why not talk to someone that absolutely loves the anime, and I'm not sure what he thinks about for the live action, Carl from Strictly Anime. How's it going, man? Hey, JD. Thank you for having me. No problem. Um, I know from what I've heard, I've, I've listened to your podcast as well. You know, I believe you've even cosplayed for uh, Cowboy Bebop. So it runs in your blood and you love it to death. So yes. I'm excited to have you for this. Yes, um, it is a quintessential anime for both me and Courtney. And yeah, we've co- cosplayed as Spike and uh, Faye a couple times at past anime conventions. Our our uh, Corgi Ein, who passed away earlier this year, he, he actually joined us in on the cosplay, so that was kind of nice. So it yeah, was I, adorable. I hold this. It was adorable. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so I hold this series pretty close to my heart. Absolutely. So we're gonna get to that. I have a lot of things I put down here: questions, what we thought, comparing with the you know the anime to the live action. But first of all, before we do anything, we usually like to check up on what's everyone's watching, what they're doing in real life, anything big going on for you. Yeah, so I guess in terms of stuff that I've been watching recently, uh, besides the Bebop anime and then the live action, um, Courtney and I have been watching JoJo Part 6, Stone Ocean, uh, that just recently dropped on Netflix. Heard nothing but positives about it so far. Yes, it's great. Um, Besides the fact that they just dumped 12 episodes out of nowhere. Um, it kind of takes <laughs> yeah. it takes the magical way of you know anticipating a new episode every week and theorizing with cliffhangers because you can just jump straight into the next one. It sounds um, so much better that way. Yeah, it definitely does. And as of right now, I know Netflix hasn't announced yet when they're gonna do the second drop of episodes. Um, I don't know if because I know they're supposed to premiere the series in Japan in January, which is odd. Because like, why is huh. Japan getting it second? Um, yeah, that's like but, an insult. Yeah, it's completely backwards. Because usually they're the ones <laughs> that get everything first. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, I guess I'll just be waiting for that to to drop. Um, but yeah, the first twelve episodes have been great. Um, hasn't really hooked me just yet with other parts of JoJo, but I think I have to reserve judgment as more episodes get released. Right. Um, so that was what me and Courtney were working through recently um besides like the seasonal watch throughs um i would say the one that i'm enjoying the most right now is ranking of kings um, okay ranking of kings you know i actually haven't watched it yet but it has been on the radar yeah it's been getting a lot of rave reviews recently um i just gotta say right out the gate boji i think is best boy for for this year <laughs> is that um, the main guy that you see on the like the cover and everything yeah, he's the, yeah. He's the the main character, the prince. Um, and it's so, like, the anime is just so unique, especially with the animation style. It reminds me of, like, an 80s fantasy cartoon. And it's actually um, Studio Wit who, who's producing it. Uh, but it, it's still fantastic visuals, a very heartwarming story. Um, so I look forward to watching um, those episodes every week. That's the good thing. I mean, you know just as well as I do that when it comes to seasonals, you really got to pound them out. And if they're not good, but you have to watch a seasonal, 
it kind of makes it a drag. But if you love it, then that's the best thing right there. Yeah, and it's especially tough uh, this season or like the fall season because there's just so many great shows out there. Um, summer was kind of a letdown, but then fall just got yeah, the ball rolling. Yeah, so summer again. wasn't the best. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you- for me, on, on my end, I've been, because you were talking about JoJo's, I actually just finished uh, JoJo's Part 4. I am a little behind compared to everybody okay. else. I don't, you know go as hard for JoJo's, but uh, I, I enjoyed it really well. I enjoyed it a lot, so um, I'm excited, and now I get 100% why you love Jotaro from Season 4. <laughs> he just oozes amazingness. I don't know how to even say it, so... Yeah, he matures into a proper adult in, in Part 4 uh, from the, the juvenile that he was in Part 3. And he slimmed down, but, like, yeah. a, a lot. <laughs> He did. He did. Now he's got that white uh, suit get up um, and loves marine biology, which was kind of out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I think he got a bachelor's degree or something, got a degree in it or something. Yeah, something something like that. Um, but yeah, other than JoJo's, I have been doing the seasonals. But uh, as of now, I'll say that one, I don't want to spoil them all uh, just for, you know, people to be like surprised at the end, but I am doing Comey Can't Communicate. I think that's how it is. Nice. Yeah. On Netflix. And that one's, a, you know, I'm not the biggest slice of life or touching kind of feely feely kind of stuff, but this one was pretty good. And it was Earthworm's recommendation. I'm, I'm, I'm halfway and I'm like, I can, I can enjoy something like this. I recommend it to anybody to start watching it. So yeah, we've been watching that as well. And just the, oh, the two right. main characters. Um, I just love like the, how opposite their character designs are. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But also, just a very wholesome story about about Comey and and what she's striving to do. All right. So other than that, um, I think it's time. That what everyone's kind of waiting for is this big talk about Cowboy Bebop. Uh, the comparing how well was the live action compared to the anime, but mostly about the live action. We know it can't compare. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, Basically, I just want to say that um, the awards for this, because I looked it up, just it's like got numerous fields of animation and science fiction. I guess it got awards for that. It has been recognized for its style, characters, plot, dubbing, animation, and soundtrack. Like the list goes on and on. It's done by Studio Sunrise. Um, I mean, there's not much to say. Everyone knows what Cowboy Bebop is. Um, <laughs> and so we finally got this adaptation this live action that i think i don't know if you know anything about this apparently it was possibly going to be a live action movie way back in 2001 2002 or something like that with keanu reeves doing it i do remember people talking about like casting keanu reeves as spike um i didn't realize that they were there were plans for that to happen i just thought it was sort of a fever dream that people were having (laughs) exactly (laughs) But um, so basically the live action, I have some major questions here that I wanted to ask. And mostly I'm hoping for you, uh, I'm going to come out the gate and say this. I don't know if you know this about me, Carl, but I want to be truthful with you about this whole conversation. I like Cowboy Bebop. Do I give it a 10 out of 10? I do not. (laughs) Um, And I don't, I I get nervous because I know some people get very upset. Like, how do you not think it's a 10? I, I didn't like the episodic nature for me as much because I do like having a continuation story like nonstop. It's just, it gets my monkey brain going. Um, so I, I don't rate it as highly. So I just love to get the aspects and the perspective of a bunch of other people that really love it. Cause I know it's something they're passionate about. So 
No, that that's totally fair. I know it's it's kind of cliche to call Cowboy Bebop a masterpiece, and I, I'll admit it, I fall <laughs> in that camp. Yeah, you um, call it masterpiece, yeah. <laughs> just because, like, you know, it, it was like with many other people, it was it was a gateway anime for me, especially after being reintroduced to anime um, back in college. Right. Uh, and just on from my own end, it was just so different from what I've seen not only in anime but just in other forms of pop media that it, it, like it just encapsulated me so much but I know there there are flaws with the original anime that you you can't just let pass so I'll 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 I'll, I'll, I'll take your <laughs> you'll opinion take it, of it yeah. not being a, a 10 out of 10 I I, I respect it <laughs> I appreciate it. thank you um so the first big question here um is the characters and the cast how well do you think they were portrayed? Uh, I got the list here for basically the main cast. You have Daniela um, Panita. I'm, I'm going to butcher names. I always do it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but she plays Faye. Uh, we have John Cho, also known for me from Harold and Kumar, playing Spike. Um, we have Elena Satine, who's playing Julia. Uh, Mustafa uh, Shakir, I believe, and he plays Jet. And then Alex Hassel playing Vicious. And yeah, we're going to get into that down the road uh, heavily so so yeah. but what do you think about the characters and cast um, I'll just say at the forefront I thought uh, John Cho and Mustafa Shakir were like the absolute standouts of the cast I actually enjoyed their portrayals of Spike and Jet um, I remember reading an interview interview that John Cho did with I think it was Vulture, yeah. um, that kind of opened my eyes to how serious he was taking the role of Spike and like sort of the research and the dedication he put into the role. I know he also, I think he tore his ACL at some point during- Oh yeah, like his the, knee. It was a meniscus or something like that. Yeah. I think he mentions it in the article that like it was just a freak accident and then they halted production for several months, but that allowed him to kind of delve more into the character. So it seems like he had invested a lot of time and he knew the pressure that was placed upon him for playing Spike. And I thought, like, he, like, there were some parts of it where it was kind of corny and kind of campy, but I thought for the most part, he knocked it out of the park. He, I would say he got the sarcasm and humor down pretty well. Yeah, okay. I'm so glad hearing it from you because I thought I was crazy, but I was hating the idea of him. And then when I watched it, I'm like, <laughs> I think he's doing a really good Spike, actually. Yeah, I remember uh, you, you mentioned to me, like, it was hard to picture him as Spike, knowing that he played um, Harold. <laughs> yeah, they're they're just Harold smoking and weed and eating burgers at White Castle, and I'm supposed to take this guy as Spike. I, I don't know. It was it was hard for me. Um, but I will say, brilliant. You're not even lying when Mustafa. I thought that was the exact voice actor for Jet in the anime, because yeah. just line for line, everything works perfectly. Yeah, he had a terrific voice for Jet, and I think he he also just equally embodied what makes Jet so endearing, like as the captain of the crew. And I know, like, yeah. I'm sure we'll talk about him being like a an actual father figure in the show. But... Oh, what a father! Yes, yes, a father. <laughs> it, it, it's something different. But even besides that, like you can tell, like he also had a. A strong level of dedication to making sure he got spiked down pretty well or not spiked yeah. got jet down pretty well 
Um, now, so when we move on to Faye, um, Daniela, um, I, I would like to say that I got it as 50, 50. Um, there was some points where I was like, okay, I can see the Faye persona. I can, I can get it a little bit, but then there were some moments where I think she was just used to swear every five minutes to be like one of the guys, Mm -hmm. like they're forcing it too hard in the Netflix. I don't know if that's just me. Um, but other than that, I thought it was also well done. The three main casts were not too bad. Yeah, and I actually agree with what you said about Faye. I think uh, Daniela Pineda definitely had her moments. I think the, her some of her strongest moments were like the more quiet scenes, especially with her watching the videotape. I thought yes. she she emulated how Faye felt in the anime the exact same way, um, with like that emptiness and hopelessness of not I actually got a little identity. emotional from that I'm not gonna lie I was like oh I remember this moment yeah, yeah. I, I I'll admit I I did too and hearing the the lines of young Faye reciting like to to for the future Faye to keep her head up and that she's cheering it and then you have the 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 song that plays with it too that yeah just, they actually just gets get, you in the feels yeah I, I'm gonna say that's another thing we're gonna talk about is the soundtrack so yeah um like besides all of those great moments, I I too felt like uh, Daniela's version of Faye just felt a little too aggressive, because um, I like Faye of course is like she's a femme fatale, and in the anime I was especially appreciative of like her. She had like this cunning and devious charm to her, yes. and it's still there with Daniela's role. But like you said, I felt like a lot of her lines were there just to like insert as many swear words as, as they could with her. Or I know like sometimes the fir- she would... first scene is like, you guys are fucking dickheads. And it's yeah. like something like that. I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, that's one way to say it, but. Or even she says random like things like nut buckets. Or, <laughs> nut <I> think... buckets. <laughs> <laughs> or like the weirdest line from her was at the end where she's like, welcome to the ouch motherfuckers. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh my God. I'm so glad you remember all of these. This is great. Yeah. Like I think I just remember that because it, it, they just sound so weird. And Maybe it is something that Faye would say, but it's, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So getting down to the next, just the two other main cast, because yes, in the anime, they're not really a main cast, but apparently in the live action, they get a lot of time on screen. So I'm going to talk about Alina Satine, who is Julia, uh, the love interest of both Vicious and Spike. Uh, Also, sorry, I'm doing it a little bit too late, but... There is going to be spoilers in this talk of live action. Um, I don't think we're going to be able to contain it. But also, if you don't know kind of about Cowboy Bebop, I'm, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> what are you, Earthworm, who doesn't like watch? He's going to edit this, so I'm just going to give him shit right now. So <laughs> what do you not watch Cowboy Bebop because you're so cool? Anyway. Um, so, yeah, um, Alina uh, Satine for Julia. What did you think of her? I'll be honest. I I didn't like how they portrayed Julia's character. I'm sure Elena <laughs> Santin is a, a is a fantastic actress, but um just some of the story choices they did for Julia. Like Julia too in the anime, um she also was much like a, a femme fatale, but here it felt like they just relegated Julia to being like a subservient subservient wife to right. uh, vicious. And like I felt like their scenes together um, were some of the weakest um, throughout the show. I'm going to tell and you, then, I was bored. I was bored yes. during their scenes. Yeah. And they just felt out of place compared to everything, every other scene in their the respective episodes that 
that they appeared. It, it kind of like they had this Shakespeare dialogue going <laughs> between the both of them, and then you have all the other action and campiness. You're not um, a man. Don't call that. me. I'm, don't say I'm not a man. Yeah, it was just like, a what little, was that? <laughs> little too cheesy to my liking. Um, so I I didn't really appreciate or like tend or sorry, I didn't really identify with the way that they portrayed her in in this reimagining. Um, and then the end. I'm sure we're gonna get to the ending, but oh yeah, just <laughs> like the, I feel like the whole story with Spike and Julia is like they have this this deep love for each other but in the end or not in the in the live action it just gets upended and they remove that emotional weight of spike having this undying love for her when she ends up not returning it and kind of casting him off to the side um, where you know they had worked together or had conspired to escape the criminal life together and that's established here in the live action, but you get to the end and she suddenly has an about face. It was, it was all just the wasted. weirdest thing. Yeah, it was all wasted. Yeah. It's like your um, bodyguard died for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, I forgot about the bodyguard. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, you're hitting me with all these things now. Um, so the last one is uh, Alex Hassel, uh, Hassel for um, Vicious, which I've also heard very good things about this actor that he does do a very good job in a lot of the roles he plays. Um, but the, um, I'm trying to say it nice. Cause also I don't want, like when we criticize or say we didn't really like it, like, like Carl said, we're not trying to be mean. It's just, they didn't, they didn't, they tried their best, but it was, sometimes you can't do it. Their best just wasn't good enough. <laughs> yeah. Vicious <laughs> is a character that needs to do less talking in my opinion. Uh, mm-hmm. I was scared of the man and I think I saw him maybe five minutes an episode whenever he was involved. Like he was a mysterious, cold, calculating man that uses a sword and pretty much rose up through the crime syndicate on his own, essentially. And so I didn't need much to be described about him. I didn't need him to talk all the time and I felt it. And now this, they're like, why don't we make him the focal point of like the other half of what Spike's doing? and really make it seem like he's really strong and evil, but really he just yells a lot, doesn't like it when someone calls him not a man, and has daddy issues. <laughs> I, I know what I'm doing. I'm already talking too much about Vicious. I'm, I'm sorry. I just, I didn't really like the casting. I, I just, everything didn't work, and I felt like uh, him having his accent didn't work with Vicious' character. I don't know if that was on purpose, but no, I just I, didn't, it didn't click. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, in the anime, like you said, Vicious was only in a handful of scenes, but he always had this commanding presence. Like, you knew that he was this malicious threat to Spike. Um, but watching the live action, I just kept thinking, like, what's this buffoon going to do next? <laughs> what's this buffoon going to do next? Because, <laughs> like, like, again, like you said, I'm sure these uh, people are terrific actors. I'm sure Alex Hassel is a terrific actor. But I guess it's just the way that he was portrayed in here. It felt like Vicious had lost his teeth and was more of a caricature of himself rather than being this ominous threat. The way I could kind of look at it is he is more like like King Joffrey from Game of Thrones (laughs) in this sense. Um, And the other thing is, like, if you remember that really, like, the the episode where Spike's getting brainwashed or manipulated or whatever, and you have that last shot where it's a vicious, 
and he's yeah. aiming that gun at him, and he has this really weird smile on his face. It just felt so Oh, the grin? Memeable. Yeah, he had like a grin on his face, yeah. Yeah, and that was a moment where I was like, I can't take Vicious seriously anymore. And it's, again, it's a shame because like the whole thing of Spike's story is his rivalry with Vicious. But like I said, they kind of just take the teeth out of him and even rob them of their, their climactic battle um, at, in the finale. Oh boy, yeah, we got that too. We got to talk about. <laughs> okay, so we got through the characters and cast, talked about that a little bit. Now, another uh, question I wanted to ask was, do you love the CGI, um, the action, the costumes, the world? Do they all translate well into live action? Uh, we can go down the line, or you can say what you really did like about what they did in the live action, or what you really hated. Um, sure, yeah, there were things that I loved and hated. Um, I guess starting with the thing that I loved was uh, they did a pretty faithful recreation of the bebop interior. Oh, um, yes. It just felt like you know it jumped straight out of the anime and they put this nice realistic palette to it. Um, I know, that, I don't think they included, I know there was like a revolving room in the anime that they had, um, <laughs> which they didn't show here. I'm sure that for like practical purposes, but I, I, I really enjoyed that. Um, and of course, seeing the, uh, Swordfish Two and the Red Tail, um, in its in their live action glory, they looked uh, really good. Yeah, yeah, and just seeing, I think the Swordfish come out for the same time and seeing, it, I was like, man, that looks that looks sexy in real life. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I know, like sometimes uh, when Spike or Faye were flying in the Swordfish or in in Faye's Red Tail. Um, the cockpit kind of looked like you could tell that some shots were done in green screen. Um, and sometimes with the CGI, I don't mean this to be like demeaning in any, any way, but it felt like it was YouTube quality, if you know oh, what yeah. I'm saying. I'm, I'm picking up <laughs> what you're putting down there. Because you would think with a, a budget like Netflix's, they would invest a little bit more into the CGI. Um and even like with the anime, although a lot of it was done 2D, like they, like you still had impressive shots of like the swordfish, swordfish flying through space, um, and you still get that here, but it wasn't as always as captivating, I guess. Yeah, I'll talk about like two moments, uh, one good, one bad for me, uh, that I wanted to point out because CGI can make or break things, and. Mm -hmm. I thought they put a lot of money or budget in the first episode where you get to see the Bebop like land into uh, one of the planets and it uses, you know, the gates to get through one planet to the other. I thought it all trans translated very well. I thought it was really well done mm. when it hit the water. Every I'm like, wow, this looks so, so good. Um, and I like that. But then there was like um, the fight with, I forget his name. It's the clown guy that like has a force field around him that Spike has to take on. Oh, one -on -one. it's uh, I think um, Pierrot. <laughs> yes and they tried to make everything not a lot because it was a lot different how it played out but like the whole uh fight scenes the choreography with that and then the whole like them get hit, uh, spike getting kicked up in the air i think uh while uh looking at a shadow from a distance i don't know if you remember that scene yeah i do remember but you could tell like it, it's obviously cgi but the way the shadows moved and they were trying to incorporate it to look exactly like the anime i just thought it looked really cheesy uh, and it bothered me. I don't know. I'm the only one, but those are the two type of moments where I was like, CGI didn't work here. I don't know. That's just what I thought. No, yeah, I, I remember that moment because I, 
think that Shadow was like a like it was a one for one of of a similar shot in the anime. Um, but yeah, it, it like you said, it, it felt like you were just looking at a CGI shadow of a character rather than a real person. Like I'm sure they could have achieved the same thing with a stunt man, but yeah, yeah. they just didn't want to go that way. Yeah. <laughs> So, but the last thing I'd say, the costumes, we talked about the cast, but you know, you got the setting of like the certain worlds and the people living in it. And, uh, you know, you're obviously looking at someone like Jet, who's got the metallic metal arm and Spike, who's pretty much wearing that suit. That's like iconic. It's Mm -hmm. uh, ridiculous. And then you got Faye, who I understand they didn't go 100% the way of the anime because it's kind of provocative, but uh, they totally changed up her outfit. Yeah, I I going back to Spike. Um, I do love that they they stuck with again the, what you said the iconic parts of the suit, which are like the the huge lapel, the the blue color, um, and I know that John Tro also like he consciously grew out his hair, knowing that he'd have to kind of match uh, Spike's hair from the anime, um, and Jet's outfit too. Like that just looks ripped straight out of the anime, and I like that he. I know he had a bald head, but they kept his beard with the little... Oh, yeah, um, with the points. Yeah, like the points on the ends and then the metal face piece. Um, and I, yeah, like you said, I, I understood that they had to make Faye's outfit more functional. And I, I like that they straight stayed true to the colors of the original with the, the red jacket and the yep. yellow um, shirt, or I think it was another jacket under it. Um, I would have loved if they incorporated like the white shoes as well i'm sure it would have clashed with her black leggings um and i noticed that she also didn't have a headband but i don't know if headbands are in right now i'm not really... <laughs> yeah we don't want to make it a fa- you know a thing again <laughs> yeah i'm not well versed in fashion but um yeah like i was i was okay with Faye's outfit um but just to make to take more of what makes Faye's co- or outfit more iconic um i would have loved that a little bit more Okay. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. But also I, I, I respected the decision and I understand that completely. Um, so the next question here is, did they keep to the source material? Uh, I'm sure you can point out a lot, but if you want to go over some scenes that are completely different or different moments, um, there's some, there's some big ones. Yeah. I'll, I'll start with, um, the, the intro, the, the tank opening um, yes. as, kind of example for how i see uh how faithful they were with the source material like the opening was when they i know they released it a little earlier before the actual series was released and it was a nice recreation and and a nice homage to the anime's op but something about it seemed slightly off and yeah the best way i can describe it is it kind of reminded me of like a porn parody oh Because I like, didn't even think of that. <laughs> like, I get like they they took certain shots like of Spike running and of Jet running. Um, they look much more artistic in 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 the anime, but just watching it um, in the opening here, it it something was off about it. Was it like and... watching Titans running and Attack on Titan? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you think kinda. about it now, what they did in live action, I saw there was one character that's running, and it was just. Having a hard time running, it looked like from from my perspective. I was like, yeah, this just doesn't translate well. Yeah, and as faithful as I, that series surmises to be to like the original source material, I still think that 
what they did was um, a little bit average as best. Uh, I know like the show shouldn't try to be like a one-to-one rehash. I understand that, but I just think that certain story choices with the live action, it misses some of the nuance and kind of the thought provoking like storytelling and commentary that I really loved with, with the anime. Um, One moment that I can recall or like one episode that I can recall is with um, the, the brainwashing one where Spike goes to that facility. Oh yes. And that's where the first time you hear about radical ed. Yes. Yeah. So that was a nice cameo that they dropped there. Um, I know that they were adapting the storyline from, I think it was called Brain Scratch, um, from the anime, where it's, I think it, it ends up being a child who's stuck in like a, a vegetative state after an accident, and he's the one that's actually controlling the machine, and it, right. it pr- gives like a profound commentary on, like I think the child was so jealous of, of others like living life to their fullest while he was only stuck, like he was bedridden. But then here they just take take that concept and it's just forcing Spike to go through this dumb like this dumb machine that just wants him to relive his past. So it's just tying him back to like the 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 show wanting to fit itself into this sort of serial TV drama. Yeah, um, and I, it just didn't really sit well with me knowing that they had only taken parts of that storyline just to kind of serve its own plot line, which I didn't feel like it really translated well. Yeah. Um, uh, one I'm thinking about uh, basically is because another, I, I like all the characters, but I really did like Faye's story in the anime. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of like tragic in a way, you know, losing everything because you, you've been in like cryo sleep the whole time. Um, but what they did in the, the show was make it so kind of, she had a mother, not really a mother mother, but instead of uh, some guy that basically was conning her and all that stuff. And it's just different in the live action that it was a mom that was taking advantage of her, uh, taking her out of cryo and all that stuff. And apparently she's just a con woman. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't really liked, I I, I don't know. I didn't really like that too much. It had some funny banter between her and having kind of like that motherly figure and all that stuff. But then at the end of the episode, there was this weird kind of like, uh, I don't know how to describe it. She was like having like some kind of like sex fun with this this guy conning, like role playing with each other, and I it just ruined the whole moment of that episode for me. Uh, yeah, I'm, gl- I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't understand what the hell happened. Okay, you didn't either because I was so confused. <laughs> I, I yeah, was so confused. I was like, like what, I, wait, what happened? Yeah, it was all just a ploy for them to like get some kink, which, like you said, it takes away from. The emotional weight of Faye running into the con her con artist um, in the original anime. Like I don't know. Yeah, it was bad. So that was one of the source material things. And another one is that apparently Spike has a name, and his name is Fearless in the live action. That's what he goes by because you know you got vicious, so you got to have fearless. <laughs> I I guess. Yeah. Um. And I haven't watched the anime in a little while. I didn't do a complete refresh. But when I'm sitting there hearing nonstop vicious going fearless, and I'm like, who the hell is fearless? And I'm I was so confused. And I'm like, I don't remember this being in the anime. And then I'm watching more, and I'm like, maybe it was in the anime. Am I dumb? Did I not remember this? And then I finally look it up, and it's like, no, he was never called fearless. I'm like, oh, all right. I'm glad I knew that because 
I don't know. It, it's something little, but was it necessary? No. No, it wasn't. I I guess it kind of explains because I always thought like with if Spike pretended that he died in the anime, but then he becomes this sort of fearless bounty hunter known throughout the galaxy. Like if if yeah. Spike's advertising his name out there, then Vicious obviously know that Spike's still alive. So I feel like yeah, with Fearless, it was just trying to add some mystery to the or like kind of address that plot hole. But like you said, I don't think it was really necessary. Besides, again, being the uh, foil to to Vicious's name. Exactly, and uh, it just gave Vicious more. Uh, ways to yell fearless as many times as possible you know <laughs> that that was one of the big uh, things from the show yeah um so my last question and it's pretty simplistic uh, because we're kind of been harping on the negative things we gave it some positives for certain cgi moments um is there any positive positives for the show for you that you could really stand out that you kind of like the direction they went or how well they did to keep it just like the anime yeah i guess there were two things that I liked. Um, you know, they had little Easter eggs and, and references from the NIA that they they scattered throughout the show. Um, right out the gate with episode one, you have that intro where I think it takes place in Watanabe Casino. And I know that was, like the name of the casino is an homage to the series director, uh, Shinichiro Watanabe. So that was a nice touch. Um, and that whole intro felt like a reference to the Cowboy Bebop movie. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've watched it. I actually didn't. Um, that's my bad. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, there's a, the, the intro to, uh, or the way they introduced Spike in the movie is, is kind of similar to how they did it here um, in the live action. Uh, so that was, that was kind of nice to see that they had a throwback to that. Um, you have the three old men um, that kind of make cameos throughout. Like they're either sitting Oh, yeah, at the I do table. remember them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they're playing cards. So, and I think... In some of the preview images that they released, um, you can see them in the background. So it was, it was nice that they added them back. Um, you get Spike saying his classic line, whatever happens, happens. So I know that was nice to hear. Um, so just a little peppering of those references were, were cool. But I would say like the thing that I love the most um, with the show is that they brought back Yoko Kano and the seatbelts to to do the score um and she just knocks it out of the park like i know they they reused a lot of the same tracks from the original and yeah like they had new additions and as i mentioned before the one that i really loved was the the song that plays during Faye's scene where she's watching the vhs um it just captures so much melancholy of that moment and i again i can't recall if it was used in the anime, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't like a the same song. Um, but that was one of my favorite uh, songs that she had composed specifically for the show. And hearing rain during the climax, you know, that just Oh, I was just back. about to mention that. See, everything you're saying is what I want to mention is that the soundtrack to me seems like it actually was on point. Mm-hmm. Um, the ending when he's falling out of the church and the same song is playing... I, I was like, oh my God, okay, so sometimes it hits you with the moments like, okay, I remember everything now. This is going like the anime, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it just brings you back to, to watching the anime for the first time and, and getting those same emotions. Um, but yeah, like I, I was glad that they brought her back because I think without 
that because music plays such a pivotal part on the show um it's almost like its own character as cliche as that sounds but <laughs> yeah um i think if they had tried to do the score with anyone else i don't know if it would have been as successful uh one other positive that i will it wasn't used a lot but it was used because you know it is cowboy bebop it is about bounty hunters is the you know the bounty hunter show basically <laughs> the the rodeo show uh with the two best uh, bounty hunters trying to give out bounties to people they looked just like from the anime they had the little quirky comedy moments sketches with each other it was perfect it was perfect i did enjoy that a lot yeah again nice nice throwback to to the punch and judy from the anime and i i will say the the one scene that i really loved uh from this live action is when Jet is attending his daughter's recital. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> and like and he's... Spike's getting beat up in the background. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just love the way that was shot. And then you have Jet like dancing to his daughter's moves while, like you said, Jet, uh, Spike's getting his ass kicked. Yeah, <laughs> I'll give I'll give them that. I'll give the live action that. <laughs> well, yeah, what the live action did is because both had comedy, but live action was definitely trying to push more comedy into it. It, it seemed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't think it was in the anime. I just don't remember everything. Please correct me if I'm wrong. But if it was originally decided for me in the live action to do that shower bath shower scene with Faye and Spike, I actually lost it during that scene when she was explaining how she takes a shower to rinse off all the dirt, you know, <laughs> then gets in a bath, cleans herself off, and then she showers again. And they're making fun of her. And then the next scene, you see Spike getting out of the shower. And he sits there right at the bar looking at her and goes, it, that's just revolutionary. She's like, right? And he's like, I just <laughs> never thought shower, bath, shower. It's, <laughs> And I'm just sitting there like, this is the type of stuff they would have discussions about in the anime. I don't think that was in the anime, but it was well done. I really liked it. So, um, Oh, yeah. I, I, I completely forgot about that scene. Um, I don't think it was in the anime. I know that Faye, like she took a lot of baths and... That's yes. <laughs> what uh, Chet and Spike were always complaining about. Um, but yeah, I love that the show, like, it keeps the banter, that, like, very humorous banter between the characters, um, especially, like, Spike and Jet. They have a lot of great moments in the live action. And yes. like you said, here with um, uh, Spike and Faye kind of bonding. And also the <laughs> um, from that uh, the French Assassins episode where they're going through the phases of how to approach um, taking down the Puro Lafu. Oh, and, yes, like, yes. They have like the rhyming scheme that Jet comes up with. <laughs> Jet would make him do it four times. <laughs> yeah. They were getting so sick of it. Yeah. Again, I just love that they, they kept that dynamic between the characters um, and like always putting them in such, like you have these serious situations with the bounties, but they don't always take it so seriously. I like that the show, they captured that as, as best as they could. Now, and obviously the other crew that joins that we have to talk about uh, is Ayn. Um, you yes. could do no wrong. You got the Corgi involved. Every time he was on screen, I'm like, oh, there he is. There's Ayn. Um, <laughs> he is a, probably my favorite character, even though I was just talking about like, fa- like Ayn is my favorite character. I also love dogs. So um, that's kind of how it is. But Ayn, you can't say anything wrong. I just wanted to talk about him, kind of just say how awesome he is. I mean, I think it was... Kind of the same story they used from the anime. It was just a little bit varied. It changed up a little bit. Yes. I'll say it right off the bat. Uh, 
Ayn was the perfect casting uh, <laughs> yes, throughout the entire cast. <laughs> that was a they, 100 out of 100 right there? He, yes, yes. He was such a good boy. Uh, I actually, I think they used two different corgis, but... Oh, did they? they? Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, but again, like, every time he showed up on screen, like, he immediately, he, he stole the spotlight. And, of course, he, he reminded me of, of my old pup, um... It was kind of weird because with his first introductory episode, they didn't really emphasize the data dog aspect of him. Yeah, um, I was waiting for that. Yeah, yeah, and then you find out with uh, Puro LeFou that I guess he he was experimented on, and like Puro LeFou is uh, he's triggered by the sound of dogs, and then the, it was weird seeing Ayn being used as a projector. Uh, yeah that which, was uh that took me back too i'm like i don't remember this yeah but like okay it, it was a new direction for 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 ein i i just couldn't forgive the fact that they left ein off the bebop at the end of that episode like it was yeah <laughs> yeah they probably yeah I, I forgot about that he did that as well it's also what they got though right with ein as well is like when the banter is happening between like jet spike and faye he always would sit in the middle listening and his head would go back and forth listening both of them talking. Like he's a part of right. the conversation. He's just not doing anything. And they got oh, yeah, that yeah. right in the live action. So, Yeah, I didn't even notice that. But yeah, such a good boy. <laughs> Probably the, the best thing about the show. Um, so also, since we're talking about all the main cast of the Bebop, let's talk about the big thing that now that uh, if anyone's not aware, apparently the season two has been canceled uh, so this is what also no brings way. us. Did you know that or no? Oh no, <laughs> I knew that. Oh, okay. I was like, no way. I was like, oh <laughs> shit. Oh, well, yeah. But they basically brought Ed in, Ed, you know, Radical Ed, about I don't know what one minute in the ending of the of the whole season, and now it's like not going to get a second season, and we weren't going to be able to see how it translated like at all. Um, so let's just get that out of the way and say that that was disappointing. So. Very yeah. disappointing. Yeah, and I, I was part of like the the internet community that just kept hounding like Netflix on on social media like, where is Ed? Because you can't have Spike, Jet, and Faye without Ed. And I know in the original, um, I think Ed shows up only like Episode nine. nine, I believe. Yeah. And I think one of the producers said you know, since since that was the case with the anime, they they thought that they could do it here with with the live action. That is a um, complete lie. No, that's not how that works. There's so much that happened. I don't know. I yeah, and I I I think I kind of understand it now because it seems like they only adapted the first half of the anime. Because um, it was my I had thought like with these ten episodes, it would just encompass the entire series. But it looked like, yeah, they were kind of saving Ed for season two um, with the way that they ended the story here now that Spike has to, I guess, team up with her. And I'm kind of glad, like, you can see a shot of Ayn in the background. So it looked like Ed had found Ayn and, and took took Ayn into his care. So, but, yeah, I, I was that was severely disappointing that you only see Ed, like you said, for a minute and she only has a couple lines. Yes, it's it's it was complete. I don't know. It was upsetting. I uh, just wanted to mention that they they do deviate on certain things, which we're eventually going to get to the ending, of course, that happens. But another thing that's completely deviated from the anime is that Jet is a father. Uh, 
that boy had an, a lovely, wonderful girl <laughs> and at first a bitchy uh, ex-wife, if I can say that. Yeah. But he was a good dad, but it caught me off guard. What did you think about Jet being a father? I think it was, I could see, like, it would be in line with some of Jet's existing characteristics and personality. As I mentioned before, we know that he strives to be like a father figure for the Bebop crew. And so now it's literally him being a father. But yeah, I saw it more as just a kind of a plot device to make a point of contention between him and Spike with the series climax. Um, and it makes me wonder, you know, because you know, Jet was a former um, former cop for the, the police force um, in both the live action and the anime. And then he has his his betrayal from his um, partner, and then he goes into bounty hunting. It just makes me wonder if Jet wouldn't have even had the time to settle down and have a family um, with being so consumed in his work. Yeah, it's just um, I liked it. I'm not gonna lie. And you know, you think out of all of the you know the the characters, he would be the better father because he is like a father to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's it was well done. Like I did, get, especially near the climax when his daughter was taken captive. I was kind of like, "Oh, this is this is a lot different." And I'm like, "If they actually, since she's not really in the anime, kill off her character, God forbid." Oh, I'm like, God, "That's yeah. gonna make me actually be really like upset and want to get back like Jet and Spike be on their side even more." So I like the idea of it. Um, I just felt like some parts especially with the wife like getting mad at him for doing nothing essentially just cuz he walks through the door i was like it's just not something i was used to seeing after watching the anime yeah and you know i i thought like the the scenes with jet's daughter um with him going to her birthday or like yeah that was her. funny yeah that was good yeah and then obviously like we talked about the recital scenes like they're very heartwarming but a little bit of me felt like it ripped me out of the show momentarily just because it didn't necessarily feel like Bebop to me. Did you remember when he went to his daughter's house and it looked just like a suburban living? I don't know. Yeah. It took me out of like the whole idea of what we were in, like a futuristic world. Yeah. Yeah, it was just like some suburbia when... It's, uh, yeah, they're just down in Connecticut in suburbia <laughs> just with a nice white painted walls. And I was like, what is... Wait, what? Where are we? Yeah, that's that's another gripe I had was like just setting wise, something some of the settings they didn't feel as space like or futuristic like, and this was this was one of them. But you know, all right. Um, and so another thing uh, that we have to talk about, and we I kind of gave a little bit of a, a gripe about, but let's talk about vicious a little bit. Um, truthfully, um, we we actually kind of did a little bit, but I just don't like. His portrayal in this film, uh, this live action series, he was kind of a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember him having a father in the anime, but it just seemed like he had daddy issues. He was drinking all the time, like, woe is me, woe is me. And and Spike was fixing all his problems because you get a full backstory in the live action. Um, and it just seemed like he was a crazy psychopath that uh, if you didn't do it his way, he just went crazy about it. Yeah. Like I think you nailed it on the head. Like I, I can't explain how much I thought Vicious was just a caricature throughout the show. And you know, he has his moment with the whole 
coup d'etat or the overthrow of of the elders of the syndicate mm-hmm. but like the way that they approached that i thought was just really unnecessary like the um that one other i guess crime lord that he partnered with santiago with along with mao like i just thought that whole scenario was just pointless they could have kept it the same way as it was in the anime um and i know that with the last two episodes um they they delve a little bit more into spike's relationship with vicious and the syndicate but i i I just didn't think it was was that necessary um yeah I i felt like too much um I mean, we could get into the final scenes or the final episodes. I mean, I'm totally okay with that because I know you probably have a lot to say about it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, it, like, the way that their relationship and that whole thing of Spike leaving the criminal life in the anime, I thought that was portrayed fine. Um, but here, you know, with these episodes being like 40 to 50 minutes, they kind of have to to drag it out as as much as they can. Um, but it it was just kind of hard to to sit through, and especially with vicious being like this whiny. <laughs> I think you put it like a whiny crybaby. <laughs> whiny um, crybaby, that's right. Yeah, it just again it it takes away the teeth from him rather than making him really menacing. Yeah, and so as we get to, we're gonna talk about these uh, the. Pretty much, I guess it's iconic, definitely from the anime, the church kind of uh, scenes that we're going to talk about from the anime. And so they end the kind of last two episodes in that same church, um, which I was expecting to be almost a shot for shot, a lot of things to go the same way. And this is where I was like giving it a pretty all right rating. I'm like, yeah, this isn't really that accurate, but all right, you know, doing what they can. And then at the end of the these two episodes, it kind of changed my opinion of the show. Um, and But basically, Julia, how can I say it? Julia, all of a sudden, the, like I think you mentioned it, uh, Spike and Julia's love is like undying. And in the show, it's like mm-hmm. they finally meet up in the last scene in the church where she just pops up out of nowhere and shoots Vicious. And the most iconic scene of Vicious and Spike dueling it out um, with sword versus pistol, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> and she's the one that's like, never mind, I got you, bop, and then shoots vicious. I don't know, it just took me back, and then it just turns out that their like their love, she was just so like, I don't know, I didn't feel anything in that scene. Yeah. Like I'm glad that they kept the iconic, you know, like spikes on the ground and vicious is hovering over him and they have their weapons pointed at each other. Because that, that is a very iconic moment from... Yeah, they got that right. Yeah, the anime. But yeah, I just thought for them to insert Julia in that scene and for her to be the one to take down Vicious, like it, it didn't sit well with me because I always see it's like Spike's rivalry with Vicious as the focal point of, of Spike's story throughout the anime. And here, he, he's robbed of that moment of finally confronting the person who's who's pretty much ruined his life um just because like he had an affair with julia and they had a true love for each other and then like on top of the thing where julia shoots him down and then just has this like 180 change of heart about her wanting to... i would like to own the syndicate and rule it what yeah wait what what yeah <laughs> which 
everything leading up to this moment, it's Julia wanting to get out of that life. And she finds out that Spike's still alive. And and she realizes she, like she does have a way out and is conspiring to put all these pieces together to get rid of Vicious. And so and then she eventually does it herself. But again, it, it's so out of place for her. And it, it cheapens get Spike's love story with her. Um, I know like in the anime, like Spike at the end, like spoiler alert, Julia unfortunately comes to her own, her own demise and Spike's left with nothing. And yeah, it's kind they, of they this, don't make it. Yeah. And it's kind of the same case here uh, where like Spike feels betrayed, not only now by Vision, but by Julia, but it's just a really odd thing. And I feel like it was just, inserted there for for shock value rather than for any real story importance you know i never thought of that you know she did try to get vicious killed by his own associates at first like plant you know the when he was going to do the whole uh coup against uh the syndicate was like i need to get out of here uh talking to anna um who owns a club in the live action uh Mm -hmm. not a clerk or a shop like in the anime (laughs) that's big that's really different um, but basically she's just trying so hard. We, and you know, she feels, you know, Anna's like worried about Julia. We got to, you know, get you out of this lifestyle. It's like you said. And when that scene happened, she's like, you know, we should rule the crime syndicate. I, I was, I, I just did a whiplash. It was kind of like Spike probably thinking the same thing. And Spike's like, well, mm-hmm. no, no, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta run away together. And then she's like, well, I guess I don't need you. And then she shoots him. <laughs> yeah. I, I it did not sit well with me. I I got so pissed at that. Ending. I know. I saw I saw your your Twitter post and everything. <laughs> and I was just waiting to bring this moment up and be like, yeah, it was something, wasn't it? Yeah. And actually, after I finished the live action, I had to just rewatch the church episode <laughs> from the anime and just reconfigure myself to like this is the right. <laughs> this is the this right. This is ending. how it's supposed to be done. <laughs> um. And yeah, like obviously with the with season two or with the show being canceled, we'll never see what they had in store for like Julia being the head of the crime syndicate and how Spike's gonna respond to that. But like honestly, I, I don't really care. <laughs> no, it's like she kept vicious alive. He's now like tied up. Uh Spike somehow survives the fall, walks all the way to Jet's ship. Jet's like, Hey, glad you made it, but I don't want you on my ship. Faye mm-hmm. goes to find out about her past. I don't know how he's still walking, but Spike keeps walking. He goes to a bar, <laughs> and then he eventually passes out, and that's that's when Ed shows up, and with Ayn, thankfully. But it's like, this is going so different now than the anime, and I think what pissed people off was that they heard they were trying to keep it to the original as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And after the first episode, like you said, with the music, and they're like, oh, you could see they're really trying. They did the casino scene. After that, though, they really just deviated so much. Um, it's kind of like I don't think they understood that you weren't following. You were just inspired by these moments. You're changing a lot of the story. So I don't know if that could have been it. Yeah. Like I said, it, they tried adapting the, the anime into a this sort of TV serial drama. But it... it I kind of equated to trying to inflate a basketball more than it needs to be. Yeah, still and, pumping, just still pumping. Yeah, and with with each episode of the anime, like it was nice that they felt like contained movies with the right amount of plot and pacing, but some of these episodes just felt like I was watching them for an eternity. 
Um, and yet, like you said, like the, the way that they just shifted from what happens in the anime to now the Bebop crew is like disintegrated and like Jet and Spike are no longer friends, phase off doing her own thing. And then we, we just get an introduction of Ed now when everything ends. Yeah. Cause Jet knew about Spike's past, like right at the end of that. And in the anime, he doesn't know till the end, I believe. Yeah. So that, that was different completely right there. Mm-hmm. I feel like maybe if the show had stuck or like had done more original storylines or bounties instead of putting a unique spin on the overall plot, it would have worked better for me. But again, I think they just always intended the story to be like this and now it's going to be unresolved. But like I said, I I don't really care about what happens. (laughs) after this point i totally get it i totally get it um so if there and if there's anything else you want to discuss before you give your final thoughts final review we'll give our scores what we think uh is there anything you want to mention um let it all out i i I won't blame (laughs) you carl this is your baby i i got you whatever you need (laughs) (laughs) and i feel like this is becoming a venting session um but i guess like you said, the secret of Spike's past um, being kept away from Jet as this thing that becomes a point of contention for them. I don't know if Spike ever actually revealed that he was part of the syndicate um, in the anime. Oh. Because I know, like, there, there well, was. Yeah, he just leaves, doesn't he, after he has a good conversation with him, like one last meal? Yeah. And what I appreciate about that is with spike and jet like when spike gets a bounty that's related to the syndicate like jet knows how dangerous is it it is but spike only goes because he knows it's connected to his past but with with jet his thing was more like let's move on from the past and kind of just live with with what we have like spike's flaw in that case was he was always so attached to his past and trying to cling back to it um, almost like it, like it was a dream of his. Um, right. but, but here in the live action, it that just is taken all away, um, because now that Jet has a personal stake with Spike's vendetta against Vicious, um, with Kimmy being taken as a hostage, it it kind of removes the philosophy of that, where again it, Jet was trying to convince Spike that you shouldn't tie yourself down with the past or with what's happened before um, and just kind of moving forward for there. From That's there. actually a really good one. You're right that the moment kind of wasn't as heartfelt because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? What else? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that I could point out about this uh, live action um, that... Do you think the action... I forgot to bring this up, like the action, like the fight choreography... Uh, Spike is a really gifted martial artist, and mm-hmm. I think they did all right uh, in the casino scene. But you know, it is hard to translate like animated type of fighting into a live action. So I didn't know what you thought about that. Yeah, um, I appreciated that with Spike, um, they kept his fighting style, um, which I think is like Bruce Lee's fighting style. I think it's oh, called... yeah, definitely Bruce Lee. You can't, yeah, can't not you know. Yeah, um, Jeet Kune Do, I think it was called. And then you have that s- sequence where Spike's um, sparring with that 
that device. I know it's appeared in like Ipman and other martial arts films. Um, Very good film. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but yeah, some of the action choreography, it, it felt a little bit stilted. And I don't know if that's just part of his, like John Cho being older. I think he's like 49 now. And so he's not, he might not be as active as he was when he was, was younger. Um, but yeah, sometimes the action and the combat just felt a little too robotic, I guess. Yeah, I would say that too. I I agree with it. Um, I don't say I'm a connoisseur, but I definitely enjoy a lot of action sequence, choreography, fights, uh, martial arts films. Um, and I was excited to see where they were going to go with this. I think um, he, you know, John Cho did a good job at what he could do. And you could, mm-hmm. like you said, he put dedication into it. When you know, he's pretty fit. I'm I'm just going to say that right now. He did yes. a pretty good job. You know, looking just like Spike. It was well done. Uh, but there was just some moments where it was like you said, it looked a little campy. It didn't, it looked a little robotic. So it wasn't my favorite, but also I, I respect for what they had to do. Yeah. It, it felt like they had, re- it was like a rehearsed choreography. So a little more robotic, but yeah, they, they tried. <laughs> I think that's, that's all we can say about this, right? It, is they tried. Yeah. I think I read somewhere that they had worked with the John Wick stunt action team for a little really? bit. I, yeah. I don't believe it, but okay. <laughs> I just <laughs> don't then, believe it. No, yeah. The weird thing is, like, at some point, it switched hands to another stunt team, so maybe that's where it, it kind of faltered, but... <laughs> yeah, that could have been when uh, John Cho got hurt. So yeah. maybe that's... Um, so anything else you got? Um, I think that's that's all. Again, I... I could say a lot about this live action that... A lot of negatives. Me. <laughs> yeah, but I think... I that wouldn't serve the purpose too much and I'd probably go on for hours. So I'll just leave it with <laughs> the stuff that we discussed. Absolutely. So I can go first. So, cause yours is more of like the real, the real rating because this is a true 10 out of 10 fan right here. So <laughs> what Carl says is, is gospel. Um, I'm going to say, because I, I'm not using Mal, this is a live action. Um, so I can just give it like a five point something, six point something. I can add points. I will say that the main cast surprised the hell out of me. They did a very, very good job, uh, for what they had to work with. There's been, we, we didn't talk about it, but I I know there's some bad lines. You made some comments of what Faye had to say. And it was like, it makes you laugh because it's, it's not really good, but it made you laugh. Um, Mm -hmm. I think there was a, a line from Mustafa's character jet where a girl says you're black and you're male. Uh, yeah, something the blackmail quote. Yeah, and I'm not gonna lie, I laughed because I didn't think someone really wrote that. I yeah, didn't, I didn't think it, and then I'm like, they did. They put that in the in the film, and I just lost it. I just couldn't. I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> but that doesn't mean it was good. It means you caught me off guard. Like you took yeah. me out of the show real quick. Hmm. Um. But other than that, the writing was not that great. The story. I was fine if you want to make some changes, but I'm not a diehard. And even I was like, oh, come on. You, you can't. Where's Ed? Oh, my God. What are we doing here? What is Vicious doing? I, I, it just on and on and on. It just it was blowing me away. Uh, the CGI to me wasn't that bad, but they definitely had some bad moments. But that being said, finding out that there is no season two now, you guys just put all that money, all that hard work to just kick it out and this is probably netflix fault so i'm just taking the rating on to netflix as well as this live action but i'm going to give it a 5.5 out of 10 
Um, it had six potential. I, I, I was going to say it's not that bad, but it's like 5.5. and It's almost lower, <laughs> but I, I actually did not mind it as much as I insult it. I'd say that's that's a pretty fair rating. <laughs> yeah, but I understand. Like, I think it was a Taku Host Club we talked to not too long ago, and I just I just said the words to Dan. Uh, I don't know if you know who that is, but he he's a diehard Cowboy Bebop fan. I just said, oh, I didn't mind it, and he he's like, what? And so I was like, oh, 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 I can't even say that. So <laughs> I was worried that if I say five point five, you know, I'm gonna get a message later. Dan's gonna be like, why would you do that? So, <laughs> well, to be honest, I. I would probably rate it in the same territory. Um, oh, I, really? Okay. Yeah. I would put it at a six out of 10. Um, You're so, giving it a better rating than me. <laughs> only, yeah, only like that 0.5 point better. Okay. Um, yeah, I would say with this adaptation, it it has the action, it has the story, it has the phenomenal cast. It had almost everything going for it, but it just didn't capture the same magic and sort of artistry that the anime series was beloved for. And I know it, it's probably unfair for me to always like constantly compare it to the anime, but oh, you I feel a, like... It makes sense. <laughs> but it makes I, sense. I feel, yeah, but on the other side of the coin, like thinking about a, a Netflix viewer who are just approaching this with with having no knowledge of the anime, like I had to think to myself, would... Would it feel as legendary if this live action stood as an original on its own? And right. I, I still can't say it's going to still be a resounding no for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, to a lot of your points, like the, the dialogue was a little bit ham-fisted. The action scenes, like they were there, but they were a little bit wonky. The CGI was was there, but again, it felt like YouTube quality at times. Yeah. Um, and I know that the original anime, it it was it kind of transcended different genres or like kind of combined genres all into one where you, you had the campiness, you had the humor, you had the action, the drama, like the noir and I guess grindhouse with like how gory it could be at times. And I think the the live action was trying to emulate that, but it was just something was missing there. And it was like the heart was missing in it. Yeah, and, like, it definitely felt get... something was messy. You're right. Yeah, like the, the nuance was just not there. And looking at the bigger picture, I think this live action brings up a really concerning issue of why companies like Netflix are relying on reboots or, or adaptations when it's clear it it rarely ever works favorably. And it makes me wonder, like, who... Who was asking for this live action in the first place? Rest in peace to the One Piece live action. I know people are getting hyped, but uh, <laughs> even I'm worried for you guys. Yeah, that's I was a lot bring, to undertake. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna bring that up. Like Netflix continuing work on the One Piece live action, but now you have this kind of casting a shadow over that. It's like, why? Why would you want to continue to do this? And yeah, my thing is, if you're going to put this much money and, and work into it, and, you know, at least let it go to season two. If you know that ending is going to end like that, why are you going to cancel it? Because it may not have the most views or whatever. I just don't understand why companies are so scared of just trying one more season. I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know if like they'll be, like Amazon is going to pick it up for, for their prime lineup. 
seeing the potential for this season too. Um, but yeah, I just hope like in the future, like studios and companies just learn from this experience when they inevitably try to do more live action adaptations for like anime or even video games. But for stories like Cowboy Bebop, and I'm sure like there are plenty other anime that that should remain untouched. Like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right, exactly. Well, there it is, guys. Um, we have a 5.5 and a 6 out of 10. Uh, surprising, to say the least. With the final count-ups I got here, I looked up. For Rotten Tomatoes, it ends with a 46%. With uh, IMDb, it's a 6.7 out of 10. And mm. for most Google, Google users, it's 79% like it. So Google uh, apparently has a lot of people liking the film. <laughs> interesting so, yeah it's very interesting but uh other than that it's a shame there's no season two but thank you carl for for being a part of this episode and i'm i'm, I'm glad you joined me for this no thank you for for having me on um like i said this was a nice therapeutic venting session you feel um, a little better well. <laughs> now i'm, I'm guessing <laughs> yeah i get like the it had the show had its good things but i think the bad far outweighed it <laughs> absolutely um, but yeah, if there's anything you want to do, uh, talk about what you got going on with, uh, the podcast, anything coming up, uh, yeah, go right now. Sure. So again, I'm part, um, I'm co-host of the Strictly series. Uh, we are a network of podcasts, um, primarily Strictly Anime and Strictly Jojo. We kind of talk about anime reviews, discussions, and everything related to anime in a pretty casual setting. Um, you can find us on your favorite podcast streaming service uh, for Strictly Anime. Uh, we'll actually be doing uh, weekly episodic reviews of the remaining half of Attack on Titan, the final season. Oh, it's um, going to be so exciting. <laughs> yes, I cannot wait. Um, so that'll be one of our projects in January. And right now with Strictly JoJo, um, we're going through our episodic review of Part 6 Stone Ocean. So definitely check that out if you're into JoJo. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at the Strictly Series, Twitter at Strictly Series. We have our website, thestrictlyseries.com. Is it okay if we plug in our Patreon? You're absolutely, yes. Go ahead. Okay. And yeah, if, if you want to find other ways to the, support our show, um, we are on patreon.com slash thestrictlyseries. And if you so happen to want to follow my personal accounts, I am on Instagram at and Twitter at San Carlo Miguel. Um, that's Carlo with a K. Yes, you will see him post a many uh, Twitter's uh, images of him being upset about this live action. <laughs> <laughs> I think I still have a couple to queue up. <laughs> yes, exactly. But uh, no, once again, thank you to my guest, Carl, for being here. I think it's time to blow this scene, get everybody in the stuff together. Okay, three, two, one, it's jam. You know us by now, the Anime Brothers. we got all of our social, all our links are going to be down in the link. Thanks to Mr. Earthworm. We have a Patreon. You just go to patreon.com slash animebrotherspodcast. And definitely check out the Strictly Anime series. They're a bunch of fun. Uh, but uh, for that, this is it. Uh, I'm JD. Over there is Carl. And uh, thank you for joining me, and have a good night. <laughs>